0: Hey everyone, I'm Gracie and welcome to Grace of a Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. That is the sole purpose of this podcast to share our stories to the world. Welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: So who is in the military? Your mom, your dad?
1: Both of them actually were okay. in the military. So I, um, yeah, I was born into a double military family.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, what branches was that?
1: They were both in the Air Force. They actually met um, while they were enlisted.
0: Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. So then you were very military. You kind of only grew up in the military <laughs> life then. Yes.
1: Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Um I very different kind of experience. Like, um, because my parents they got divorced probably when I was five. So my dad married um my stepmom and she had three kids. So it was interesting watching three kids who aren't military kind of move over into the military life. Yes, for sure. (laughs)
0: It's such a big transition from the civilian side. If you have no military experience and then all of a sudden get put into a military family. It's so weird.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So did you obviously move around a lot?
1: Yes. Um, I almost say like we did double duty because once my parents were divorced, my mom got out of the military, but we still split our time. Yeah. So it was most like we would be with my dad for a year and then we would go and stay with my mom. And by the time we would go back, he'd be at a different duty station. So it was always like new, 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 new. Like there was no normal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That was normal. Yeah. Moving (laughs) became The normal.
1: Yep. That's the normal.
0: So, where you, of course, switched time, but where did you live?
1: Oh, so um, I was born on MacDill Air Force Base. So, we did, I think we were there until I was about three. And then we moved um, to Spain and we were in Spain for five years. My sister was born on the base in Spain. Then we came back and um, we were in Florida for a couple of years. Then I was in New York for a year, and then I was in Maryland. So if I had to state claim to somewhere, it would be Maryland. That's the longest time I lived anywhere, which was like 10 years. Oh,
0: my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard as a military child to, you know, claim somewhere, even though I've only lived in three places. Like, I claim part of Ohio. I claim part of Texas. I claim part of Florida because, you know, I live here now. But it's so hard to pick somewhere.
1: I know. But I think when you're military like that, you pick the most formative time. So for me, that was like middle school through high school. So, you know, like there was moving in between there and the schools always seemed to change. But that's probably where I grew up. So that's what I consider hometown. I know the back roads. So, yeah,
0: (laughs) it makes it better then. So,
1: yeah, Absolutely.
0: What was school like? Did you go to a d- bunch of different schools? Were they on base or?
1: So I did. Um, in Spain, I I don't believe the school was on base. I know that it was in like Spanish and English. So okay. I don't speak a word of Spanish, but apparently <laughs> I went to school in Spanish. And um, then I did public school most of the time. I did one year of private school when we lived in New York. Um. Because we were living with my mom, and she was like, "You're not going to the public school here." So I did one year of Catholic school, and, and um, yeah, that was interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely weird transitioning from state to state to school to school, and even country in your. Oh yeah. Um, but it's so different going from one curriculum to another to another year after year.
1: Yeah, it is. And you know, it was, so it was three different elementary schools, three different middle schools and middle schools only three years long. So I didn't do a consecutive year in a middle school. Um, and then I went to three different high schools because as much as my mom did not want me in a public high school in New York, that ended up happening because I, me and private school didn't get along. (laughs) 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 So, um, but you know, what was interesting was I did one year middle school in Maryland, and then I did my first year of high school in the beginning part of my sophomore year in New York. But then I went back to school in that same area that I had done one year of middle school. So I knew people when I got back. And it was the first time I had ever known anybody when I got to a new school. Right. And I remember being like, oh, I remember you. You used to be in my math class. Like, I'd never had that experience before. And being like, is this how normal kids feel? Like, when they go to school, like, from elementary to middle to high school, they're just with all the people they've known forever.
0: Like, Yeah. It's so... (laughs) It's strange because you don't know anyone. Basically, for 12 years, you're making new friends, going back and forth, um, you know, trying to keep your old friends, but at the same time making new friends. And then you get to a point where you're there for an extended time where you go back and you know people and it's like, oh, this is what it would (laughs) have been like all along, but it was not that way. So, Yeah, no. Um so how was Spain? Do you remember living in Spain much?
1: I do remember. We lived in So I remember when we first got there, we lived on like the 14th floor of like this huge building and we had like a little balcony that overlooked like a square. And I would just remember being little and sitting up on the balcony at night like it was dark and watching just all the people in the square, it would be like 9 30, 10 o'clock at night, and all the families would be out with their kids, their dogs. It was just like that's how their culture was. Like, right, I i remember in the middle of the day everything being closed, like for siesta, like from one to like four, you couldn't go anywhere, do anything. Yeah. Like, all the businesses were closed, and I remember the bread, they had the best bread and you used to be able to get it from like the little cart on the corner and it'd be like wrapped in newspaper (laughs) um it was so good and then I remember when we moved um kind of into more like a base housing with like a duplex where we were on the bottom and somebody lived like above us and um I remember that was like the first time that I I truly, truly remember like having friends because there was a little girl who lived up the street and uh, like around the corner and her dad was military too. And I just never, I didn't know people weren't military. Like that just wasn't a thing because at like five or six, you just assume that everybody you meet kind of understands what's going on. That's not the case though. (laughs) No,
0: sadly it's not. It would be so much easier if it were that way, but
1: right, agreed.
0: Um it's so hard because I grew up um basically the civilian life. My dad was out when you know, my earliest memories he was not in the military and I grew up pretty much civilian, but I still had, you know, the title of a military child cuz that never leaves and um nobody was military related. Nobody. I had one friend whose dad was deployed. And so she was military so I could relate to her on an aspect. But then at the same point, I was like, felt like the odd one out because nobody else understood.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of how we were because when we moved back to the States from Spain, my mom, she didn't come with us. She stayed in Spain. Um, So when we moved back, my dad was a recruiter and he did that so that we weren't like on a base and so that he would be with us. Like deployments don't happen quite as often for recruiters. So he purposely signed up for a recruiting job because he knew he was going to be a single dad. Yeah. So I can remember late being in the back of um, our minivan and picking up guys from like the bus station and taking them wherever they needed to go or like dropping you know, young guys off at the bus station, because they were leaving, you know, for maps or whatever. And I'm like, like, to me, that was just normal. Like, I didn't realize it wasn't normal until like, I remember saying something to somebody about my dad being in the Air Force. And they were like, what? Yeah, your dad's in the Air Force. And I'm like, yeah, what does your dad do? Like, isn't your dad in the Air Force? Like, I think I was in third grade. And they were like, no, my dad like, works at the grocery store. I just never occurred to me.
0: And the transitions between base to base, you meet so many different people. And, you know, some of them will understand, and some of them are like, okay, like, that's cool. Or you'll meet people who are like, you're doing what? Like, (laughs) are you going to be moving soon? Like, do I become friends with you? Yeah. Yeah. So I get that. Um, Where do you kind of feel that? Do you feel that you had any, like, stigmatism being a military child at any point? Like, did you, um, were friends, like, stayed away or you know, did you create
1: friends? I didn't. I think the first time I had an experience where being a military child really affected my friendships was eighth grade. And I think it was the first time that I would say that I had really good friends. Like, I had one really good friend that I would spend, like, Every weekend, with like we were inseparable. And I remember when my dad told me that he got orders for a TDY for a year to Korea and that we could not go with him and that I would have to go move in with my mom while he was gone, which was a turbulent relationship as it stood on its own. And I was like, no, I'm not going. I'm staying here with my stepmom and you can't make me go. And not wanting to tell my friends that I had to leave. Yeah. And my brother because we were all in school together so my stepbrother said something to one of his friends who said something to one of their friends and she got mad at me and like stopped talking to me like we were no longer friends because I didn't tell her but it wasn't that I didn't want her to know it was that I didn't know how to have that conversation like usually it, it was a oh I'm gonna go and live with my mom for a year like trying to explain to somebody that even though my family will still be here because my stepmom and my siblings would still be there, but I wouldn't be there, was really difficult for me. So, you know, in the end of it all, we we didn't end up being friends after that. But that was the only time I can remember being a military child really having an effect on, on my relationships in that manner. And I'll tell you, I was a lot more careful after that. Have you ever... Um, have you ever seen Fight Club? This is going to sound crazy, but yes. have you seen Fight Club? Okay. So you know that scene where they're on the plane and he's talking about like one serving friends and like this or that, like the person sitting next to him? Yeah. I think after that, that's kind of how I viewed friendships in my life, okay. like there for a season or there for a time. And once I would move, not that I didn't want to, but that friendship ended. So now I'm I'm moving on to the next friendship, which yeah. is bad and good in a lot of ways. Um, so. It's hard for me sometimes to have longstanding friendships, not relationships really, but like friendships. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Because you, you move and I mean, you grew up military, so you move and you're moving from, you know, countries to states to cities and it's, you don't know how to keep them. And, you know, you didn't have social media like we do now where you could just you know say okay here's my Instagram like (laughs) and move on from there and be like okay we'll talk on Instagram like you'll see my stuff I'll see yours like and move on so you didn't have that
1: yeah no well video chat you know what I mean like that wasn't a thing (laughs) like I can remember waiting for like dial up to even, like, be able to just type on the computer to my dad when he was in Korea. Like, not even talk on the phone, but just to, like, I am him. Yeah. And it being, you know, like, super late where we were and super early where he was. And, like, staying up late so that we would have the opportunity to, like, type to each other. Like, not to <laughs> talk to each other. So, yeah. you know, I I don't know. It's crazy. And I just never, like I said, I never thought it wasn't normal. That's just, just the way it was.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. I, it feels normal because you're living it and that's your normal life. But then uh, the other aspect, it's like you have to explain to people basically every detail of your life and be like, okay, so I'm a military child. This is what it is. This is what it's like. And yep. move on and then have to do it all over again once you try to yep. make new friends. Yep, and It's true. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it is. Yeah. Um, When you moved back with your mom, um, when your dad went to Korea, what was that like? Because you were very much civilian lifestyle then.
1: Yeah, that so it was interesting. Like, um, it was weird because it when we were in Maryland, while we didn't live on base, we always kind of lived off base there were a lot of military families that kind of were in that area. Cause we were right by Andrew's air force base, which is like the DC air force base, like air yes. force one, like that's where all of that kind of happens. So being part of a military family in that area wasn't as unusual. There were a lot of us, we might not have always known, but it wasn't unusual to hear, Oh, my dad's in the air force or he's in the Navy or whatever. And in in New York, it was very different because I started going to Catholic school and those kids pretty much knew each other from birth. And they're like, who are you? Where did you come from? Why are you here? And be like, oh, my dad, you know, is in the Air Force. He's deployed. So I'm living with my mom. And they're like, you have two heads and five eyes. Like, I don't understand (laughs) what you're saying to me, you know? And so that's hard, I think, moving from a very military area to a very very civilian area like you just that wasn't a thing. Yeah. So um it was hard and it was hard to explain like why I was sad. People couldn't understand like why I was sad. Like my mom didn't understand why I was sad because sh- I was with her and my sister didn't understand why I was sad. She was 5 years younger than me because she just didn't really kind of grasp like Uh, the magnitude of what was happening um so it was it was hard and uh i remember that spring break my mom and my stepmom had talked and so we were going to go and see them and my stepbrothers and sisters for um like spring break easter and my dad was there and i didn't know that he would be there and i remember like coming through the front door to see him and i had like a caboodle in my hand <laughs> and I saw him at the top of the stairs and everything I had in my hands just hit the floor. Yeah, Like, and I'm running up the stairs, I have tears streaming down my face. There's makeup and stuff just like everywhere. And I'm bawling and I'm like, please tell me you're home. Like, I just want to come home. And he's like, babe, I'm only here for like three or four days. Yeah. And then, I have you know, to go back. Yeah. And like, that was, oh." Yeah, it was killer. Like you just don't, you don't think. So it just gives me a whole like different perspective on relationships and family than I think a lot of people who are civilian have. Like sure. it, they. I don't mean it, you know, in a bad way, but they kind of take it for granted that the person that they love is always just going to be a phone call away or just a two hour drive. And sometimes they're halfway across the world.
0: That was the hardest thing for me. Like going from that civilian life for, you know, he had a seven-year break in service. So having that, that, those seven years with him and then him saying, okay, I've got to go on a 400-day deployment. I was heartbroken. Yeah. I was, that first week he was gone, I was in tears every single day. I was always sitting in the counselor's office. Like I could not deal with it.
1: Yep. No. And I completely understand that. And like that, like, cause we have some age between us here, let's right. be honest. Yeah. So <laughs> like back in the, you know, back around the time that my dad was deploying like depression, anxiety, like all of that, that wasn't a mainstream Term. Sure. So when I couldn't explain what was going on, I would tell people like I have a headache or my stomach hurts because telling them that I was sad and not being able to like explain it wasn't a thing, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's so, so hard to
0: explain to someone who doesn't understand that you're sad because your dad isn't there. And they're like, why isn't your dad not there? Yeah. Like, like, where is 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 he?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where did he go? Why isn't he here?
0: Right. (laughs) And that's the hardest thing to say, okay, like, he's not here. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, move on. Like, (laughs) what more do you want me to say? You're fine, right? Yeah. (laughs) So was deployment hard then for you?
1: Yeah, deployment was really hard. And I think as I got older and like truly understood the reason my dad did, did deployment made it even harder. So my dad knew that we moved around a lot and he knew that it was hard on our friendships and our relationships. And, you know, my dad said something to me, um, at his retirement ceremony. I mean, he was in for 27 years. He said, you know, at his retirement ceremony, like, this like what I've done like the career that I've had it's all been able to happen because of the family that I have like you all served like right next to me and I totally forgot where I was going with that (laughs) (laughs) but like he he said you know I can you repeat your question now I'm like what was it like having the
0: I can't even the exact question.
1: <laughs> like I got off on that that tangent of it, but oh, the reason that he did deployment. He oh, did yes. that so that we could stay in that area on that base. Like he had the opportunity at points to move to another base and keep the family together, or for him to do a deployment so that we could graduate high school where we were and not have to keep on moving. So okay. not truly understanding at the time that it happened why he was making that sacrifice. I mean, yes, he was doing it because he was military, but he was also doing it because he was trying to create some kind of sense of normalcy for us, knowing that it wasn't normal. Like, yeah. so him really trying to, to keep us in one area as we hit those like high school years. And because he did two remote tours in Korea. So he did one my ninth grade year, and then he went back the year after I graduated okay. and he did that so that my brothers would have the same opportunity I did to be in the same place and graduate from, from the same high school with their friends. Um, and it's so funny. Cause like he came back from his first deployment and, and I went to, you know, I was in my sophomore year of high school. When he came back from his second deployment, I was like two months away from having my first child. So like he missed that whole like he missed me finding out I was pregnant. He right. missed the whole pregnancy um and then they moved to another base in Florida, um Cocoa Beach. And he didn't get to see my daughter until she was like 8 weeks old because wow. he was here and I was still in Maryland. So, you know, deployments are hard and I you know, it's hard on the kids. I think it's hard on the service person too and I don't think as a kid we always take that into account. Like, you know, when I think of all the stuff that my dad sacrificed in going away for a year, like for us, it was hard. It never occurred to me until I was an adult and had kids that it was just as hard for him to be that far away.
0: Yeah. You know? And I mean, it's at the same point of, you know, they leave and there's not a complete guarantee that they can come back alive. Yes. So they could be very much not see you again.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So my dad won one. I say like he, like he won a race. (laughs) My dad, I I should say he earned um, an airman's medal, which is like the highest medal of honor that you can get in, in peacetime. Um, They were, I want to say he was at a picnic or they were outside and there was a Korean pilot at the plane went to take off and the landing gear, I guess, did not like the gear that they come up over was up instead of down. And so the plane crashed. Wow. And so he went and pulled the pilot out of the plane. And it wasn't until he got home and he was telling the story and he's like, and I pulled him out and we pulled him over to safety. And CPR all of this and then he's like and then I realized I was wet like and I couldn't figure out why I was wet it was the gas from the plane like when I and I remember being so mad at him I was like you seriously ran through glass you know through the gas knowing that there could be an explosion you're covered in gas to pull some guy you don't even know out of a plane like what don't you know that you're married and have children? Like that's so unsafe. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. But the fact that he didn't even give it a second thought, like that's yeah. just what he did. I think that speaks volumes of our military personnel, of what they do and their thought pattern. Like in the moment, they're just thinking about what they have to do and yes. the consequences of whatever that is. Isn't going to come until afterwards. You know, and he was lucky, like he didn't get injured, but it very easily could have gone the other way. And I don't I just remember being so mad and not truly like being willing to forgive him for that for like quite a while. I was like, seriously, you almost killed yourself for somebody else. Like what you, you weren't going to come home to me? Like, yeah. Hello, Dad, How you <laughs> here?
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard to even understand the thought process that he was probably going through at the time because their main focus is to save other people. Yep. And in the military, everything else comes first. And, you know, as a mm-hmm. soldier, you come second. Yep. And you don't have that chance to even stop, t- take a second and think, okay, if I go and do this, you know, I'm going to be covered in gas, something can happen and I can die.
1: Yep. Like you don't have that second. <laughs> no, nope, not even a thought.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so how you spent a lot of time in your mil in the military as a child, and then now you're an adult, you've, you know, have your own family. How has being a military child affected the way you raise your kids?
1: Um. So. I love to move. It's something that I grew up with. It's it's what I'm used to. I'm not right. used to being in one place for too long. But as a parent, once I had children, I knew that wherever we were, once they really started school, that is where I would be until they were done with school, whatever that looked like, because I wanted them to have that consistency. I wanted them to have those lifelong friendships that i didn't get the experience of um and I don't mean that in a bad way because I feel like I grew up and I got to see so many things that other people could only sure. dream of um but for me as a mom I really wanted stability for my kids I didn't want them to to be apart from me and so even though every couple of years I'm like we should move like we got to get out of here <laughs> like I have the itch like even if we just moved down the street to a new house like just the change of scenery yes but keeping them in one place and keeping us all together was a really big thing for me. And having like me and Eric, we moved here when Lilia was like five months old. Florida now is the longest time I've lived anywhere. So we've been here 15 years now. And that's like crazy to me. And I've lived in this house for 12 years, which is unheard of. Like who lives in a house that long? Um, And just my parents live, like my dad and my stepmom live five minutes away from me. So my kids have a relationship with their grandparents. I never had that. You know what I mean? They are, are close to their aunts and uncles and their cousins growing up. I didn't have that. Like, yeah. So it was just a, a conscious choice of being close to family. And I don't want to say kind of making up for lost time, but giving, you know, my dad an opportunity to, to be around his grandkids like in a way that he wasn't able to be around his children. Yeah. You know? So I would have to say the biggest thing is, is consistency. Like I feel like that's like the biggest difference between a military family and and a civilian family is the consistency you can give to your child in the area that you're in and the family you have around them.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a big thing because, especially since you've moved around so many places you have that itch and you want to just move around to so many other places and at the same point like I want to give my kids that experience I want to give them I want to show them the world uh you know one day but at the same point like I know how hard it was to even move the two times we did move and I don't want to put that pressure on them because you put you're like, okay, we're going to move and you have to make new friends. You have to go to a new school. You have to do this, this and this, and it's all going to be new. Like you don't want to do that.
1: Yeah. And I think it's harder too in that civilian lifestyle because you're generally somewhere for a lot longer than you are military. So like as a military child, you just get used to it. It's a part of life. It's almost like a, okay, so where we're going, where are we going? Oh, you're going, where are you going? Like it's not a, But I feel like almost you've been here your entire life. Now you're starting your sophomore year of high school. You have all of these friends and I'm going to move you to North Carolina. So like pack up all your stuff. Like I can imagine that being extremely traumatizing for a civilian child where for a military child, it's like, all right, I didn't even unpack that box.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you (laughs) you know, half of your your house stays packed at some point. You only unpack what you need.
1: That's right. And if that box hasn't been opened in over a year, just throw it away. Nothing in there I need. I'm good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's no need to keep it. Yeah, I remember um, once we got our house in Texas um, and we moved all of our stuff down, it was like, oh, I had all this stuff. Like I was living in a hotel room and, you know, the Fisher house for probably almost and then, oh, I actually have all this stuff. And, you know, (laughs) Even then, half of it stayed in boxes in the garage to wait for the next move because we knew it was coming it's soon.
1: Just, yeah. Why? Why go yeah. through it if you don't have to? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's already nicely packed and, you All know, right, it it's to ready unpack. to go. <laughs> yeah. It's ready to go, just like, you know, I am at the drop of a dime now. So <laughs> that's right. Yes. So, um, what
1: was your favorite move? hard question. That is you know what I would have to say that my favorite move would be the one from Spain back to the states. Okay. And um maybe it's just because it's really vivid, but I remember being on the plane. I remember playing Yahtzee, like travel Yahtzee on the plane and my cat cuz I had a cat in the carrier underneath my seat like meowing probably driving <laughs> everybody else on the plane crazy. And then we got to Florida and we spent a couple of months living with my great grandparents, which was awesome because like, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Um, And then we went house shopping. Like my dad was like, let's go look at houses. And of course you, you tell like a nine-year-old kid, like we're going to go look at houses. I assumed very naively because I'm not from the States, every... Pool I saw was in a screen enclosure, so I just assumed if you had a screen enclosure, like a lanai on the back yep. of your house, you automatically had a swimming pool, and that's just all. It was. <laughs> so I remember telling my dad, like, I don't care what where the house is, but I want it to have a screen enclosure because I didn't say I wanted it to have a pool. You just I said wanted, I wanted it to screen. have a screen enclosure. <laughs> <laughs> but I assumed it was covering a pool,
0: right? Um,
1: and Which my is dad, not how it is, that but... yeah, is not how it is. Um, and my dad bought, I remember going to look at the house and I fell in love with it, even though it didn't have a pool because it was like mauvey colored, like that old Florida, like pink and all yes. the carpet inside was pink. And it reminded me oh of like goodness. the Barbie doll dream house. Yes. And so my dad, um, I'm sure he didn't buy that house because I was like, I like this one,
0: <laughs> but he bought
1: that house and it is the only home that he bought that he kept for his entire career. so he he still owns that home he lives in it now like so for me that was um that was my favorite move and I think it was because that house was bought and he still has it like that is truly Maryland is home it's where I know the back roads but that house is like true home base like yeah if I I knew as long as I could get there everything was was Butter, like it was all good, because right. that house is there. That is where my dad will be. You know, once he retired, there was no question. This is where he is. I can find him at any point in time. You know, do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Just go home.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, um, do you think that drew you to this area because you live so close to your dad now? Do you think that's why you moved here then?
1: Absolutely. So, and that's kind of a funny story. We um. So my dad and Cindy, and I think it was just um, the younger two. So Sean and Andrea, they moved to Cocoa Beach. Then they graduated from high school there. And then my dad got out after 27 years and he moved back to Cape Coral. And he had always said when he retired, he was moving back to the Cape and he was going to be a real estate agent. And that's exactly what he did. And he's so funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just laughing at that. And so. I lost track again. (laughs) (laughs) Do you
0: think that drew you back to Cape Coral? Yes.
1: So we came for Christmas and Eric came with me and he worked for a home builder, um, Lennar Homes. And they were building Lennar Homes like right down the street from my dad. So my dad took him to the job site to look at the houses that were being built in Florida by the same company. And they got in trouble for being on the job site like without hard hats. And so my husband... (laughs) you know, being the man that he is, pulls his wallet out and his business card. He's like, oh no, like I'm not just some guy off the street. Like I work for you guys in Maryland. I just wanted to see what you were building. And we got home and within two or three days, the office here was calling him to see if he wanted to move to Florida. Wow. So like two weeks later, he flew down um, for an interview. And like a month later, we were packed up and, and moved and we were here. And, you know, if my dad hadn't been here, we wouldn't have moved here, we would have stayed where we were. But he knew that I wanted to be near my dad. And we had just had Lilia. And I wanted my kids to grow up kind of with their grandpa. And, you know, my dad was my constant, even with being gone on deployment. He was always my constant, like my mom and him divorced, so. I didn't there was a period of time where we didn't see my mom but my dad was always there. So for me it was more of a comfort thing like yeah if I, if my dad is around I know I'm safe. Like everything sure. is good. So yeah, if he wasn't here I have a feeling we probably would have ended up close to wherever he was because that's yeah, just
0: the that's nature of it the beast. was <laughs> Yes, for sure. Yes. Do you think, this is probably another hard question, but do you think there's a difference between the generations of military kids? Because you were a military kid, you know, and it was a completely different time frame. And then here I am, again, in a completely different time frame. And even the next generation behind me is a completely
1: different time frame. I do. I think... I don't want to say that it would be easier because that's not the correct word. I think it is a lot easier, though, to stay in touch with people For nowadays sure. than it was back in that time. I mean, Google didn't come around until 1998, which is the year I graduated from high school. So, like, there was no, like, emailing or instant messenger, really, to just be able to talk to somebody, like, in that moment unless you were making a phone call. Sure. And I can remember um, I only had one friend... From middle school that I would write to. Um, and we're not as close anymore. I see her on Facebook here or there. But I can remember like looking forward to her letters, like to kind of know like what was going on. Um, there wasn't, you know, FaceTime or Instagram or Snapchat, yeah. or any of that. So I think that makes a huge difference. I think it gives more of an opportunity for you to stay close to people that you've met in different areas because you don't have to, and I, this probably sounds really lazy, but you don't have to go through the trouble of writing out a letter and like putting a stamp on it and remembering to put it in the mailbox, <laughs> sending <laughs> it out. Like, Not that it's hard, but when you're living life and just trying to like blend in, that's not the first thing at the top of your list. Like no. now you could just pick up your phone and be like hey, what are you doing? You know, go to the grocery store together or talk to them while you're driving your car down the road. Like just wasn't a thing then.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for sure, each, you know, everything comes with its challenge. Everything has its own challenge and it's not easy by any means. And, um, It definitely, I do think it's easier now, especially with being able to stay in contact with friends. And I mean, even um, when dad was deployed, mom would send him emails all the time. Like we still had some sort of connection to him on deployment and that was still 10 years ago. So I could only imagine what's changed since then.
1: Oh my gosh. I would have given anything to be able to like video call my dad back in the day. Like that would have been amazing. Like I would have, yeah, I would have paid big bucks. If somebody had told me then that eventually you'd be able to like talk to somebody in a whole another country at the same time and see their face, I'd have been like, you are such a liar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where was this? Yeah, no, Where has right? this been?
1: Right. So yeah. I yeah. I
0: definitely think that everything that has changed since definitely probably makes deployments easier um especially because I could just you know having a phone I could probably just message my dad and be like hey you know how are you like how is it going like what's what's happening you know on the other side of the world like and even when I was going through that I couldn't do that so yeah I think
1: and I think it's just yeah, I think it's just going to get easier for the next generation of military families. Like, yeah. And I, it's never going to be easy. No. But I think being able to see their face and know that they're, they are okay makes a world of difference.
0: It does. It brings security because you're so, like, okay, worried about everything going on. And then you're like, oh, okay. Like, it's all okay. I don't have to worry and move on with your day. So I definitely agree with that. Um, Last question. What advice would you give to military children of your generation, of my generation, or generations to come in between whatever? What would you give
1: advice for? I would tell them to really embrace what makes them a military child. I think, you know, every we get kind of put together in the same category as military children but our experiences are similar but still very different yes so being able to embrace that like for me um it was being able to not just embrace Being a military child, but also being a child of a blended family as a military family and a divorced family as a military family. And none of those things are easy and all put together. It was like a hot mess sometimes. But all of that made me who I am. It gave me that desire to be in the service of others. It gave me um, an empathy that a lot of people don't have. It allows me to be open to new people um, at really any given point in time and truly stepping out of my comfort zone with people who are new to an area or to a situation because I know that feeling. Like I know what it feels like to be that person like on the outside. So I think it just makes you a stronger person. It makes you more relatable in a lot of ways, like maybe not my lifestyle. But the way I look at things, the way I treat people, like we have a very unique way of being able to process our world that other people just don't get. And for sure, I think in a lot of ways, it could do one of two things. It can make you like a miserable person because your life wasn't consistent and you don't know how to handle it. Or it can make you the type of person that like can go with the flow can make any situation work strong man in the storm like things are bad I know who I'm calling you know what I mean like and I feel like that's what a military child is they're they're the people who at the end of the day they're the helpers they're the ones that if you need something done we're not going to think about it like you said earlier like military parents people who are in the military they don't think before they do stuff and a lot of times as military children we're the same way we see something that needs to be done we just we do just it we just take care of it yeah we see an area that there's somebody lacking we just step in and fill that role like i think we need to truly embrace that and be proud of coming from that background because if we didn't there's a good chance we would not be that that way or that type of person um And it's not always easy. And I think as a, you know, especially as a daughter, when my, like I said, when my dad retired, when he thanked us, I just thought he was absurd. Like, are you you serious? Like, (laughs) we didn't, yeah, we didn't do anything. We just like went with you. You know what I mean? And, but you don't realize like what that means to them. So I would just say truly embracing the experiences that you had um, and not being scared to talk about them. Like, I think for a really long time, military children didn't talk about it. Like, they didn't talk about the the pain that goes with it or the joy that goes with it. It just was what it was. Um, and it could be both sometimes and it could be neither at other times. Sometimes it was just, you know, normal. That's just the way it is. So I would definitely say embrace it. Allow it to be part of of your story. Don't let it be the story. Yeah. (laughs) You know?
0: I think that's great. And a lot of people are, I notice now too, that's not one of the things that we talk about, Um, you know, person to person. And a lot of the stories of soldiers are told and a lot of the stories of spouses are now just beginning to get told. But the children are still left out. And, you know, we, my dad thanked me when he retired too, and he thanked my sister and he thanked my mom. And you serve too, like as a military child, even if you don't go into the service, you still serve. You still have a part to do, a role to play in the military family. And I think that's really important for a lot of people to understand.
1: Yeah, it shapes who you are. It does. I mean, it it does. and. In a way that not a whole lot of other people get to experience it. Like, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if I was given a choice, I would never trade being a military child for anything. I think that um, it really has made me a stronger, better person. And it I don't want to say self-absorbed, but I feel like it doesn't give you that opportunity. You don't get that opportunity as a military child. You you learn to be in the service of others, and I don't think that that's a bad thing, by any means.
0: No, and it's really such a good life that it comes with its challenges, but everything does, and you know you experience so much more, and you become a stronger person. You have, um, you learn the resiliency at such a young age that. You know, people who are adults are still learning at the same time.
1: Yeah, and we go through things that adults have never been through. Like, yes. how many adults do you know could go to to three different workplaces in a matter of three years right. and still be a functioning adult? Like, you know what I mean? Imagine that on a on a child who's like learning to be a person. Like,
0: sure, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? switching around so much and changing your scenery is just such a hard thing to do that you ask a lot of a child to do that and then you look at all these children who are doing it and then you talk to adults and they're like how did you even do that like I could not do that as you know but because I had that experience it's easy yep it's still hard it's still hard to say goodbye But it's easier now than it would ever be.
1: Yeah. So we did um, for work a couple of years ago, we did a series called Your Clifton Strengths and they give you like a test and then they tell you basically about your personality. Okay. Yeah. And I think the one thing that could be said of military children, there were three of us that were in this group that kind of took it. And for all of us, our number one strength was adaptability. And I think that, I think that says everything about a military child right there. Yes. It truly is a gift to be able to adapt to any situation.
0: Yeah. And it's so important uh, also as a military child to be able to adapt, you know, as you go because you don't have, you know, 10 you don't have 10 months to be able to get used to your new area because you're already thinking about your next move Yep. at that point.
1: So We make, we make great chess players. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm sure. So, but yeah, it's definitely a weird transition and comes with its challenges, but I wouldn't trade it for the world and I'm sure every single military child out there could say the same thing
1: absolutely I agree (laughs) yes
0: so thank you so much for being on it was so good to have you and hear your stories and everything so thank
1: you thank you well thank you for having me it was great
0: Thank you so much for tuning into the Grace of a Military Child podcast. For more inspiring stories like these, be sure to review, like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also find us on at Grace of a Military Child podcast on Instagram, and be sure to check out our YouTube page. If you are or know of a military child who would like to be featured on an episode of this podcast, DM us on Instagram. Be sure to tune in next week when we hear another inspiring story. Until then.